you have a Bible, then please do open up at Titus chapter 3, verses 12 to 15, as we finish up in the book of Titus this morning. Let's pray and ask God to help us. Father, we thank you that you speak. Thank you for the fact that you've given us your word. And Lord, we pray that you'll give us ears to hear, hearts that are eager to respond to what it is you're saying to us this morning. And so Lord, might we meet with you in a special way, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I wonder what you devote yourself to. I wonder, do you devote yourself to anything? Maybe, maybe you're a sports fan. Maybe you're a footballer. Maybe, maybe you've been devoting yourself to years and years and years of training. You've been spending hours and hours and hours kicking the football from one place to another. Hours and hours and hours using those drills. Hours and hours and hours focusing on the methodology of, and all of your tactics. And yet, here we are. The World Cup, Cup is about to kick off and, and you haven't been invited. <laughs> and it's maybe a painful day. Uh, and yet, we are really glad that you're here. That is really important. Devotion, maybe for all of us, we didn't make it to the World Cup. Maybe your devotion is to a musical instrument. Maybe your devotion is to a job, to family. Maybe it's a hobby that you enjoy and you invest many, 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 many hours in it. Maybe it's a a TV show that you watch. I don't know what you're devoted to. We all know what it is to be devoted, or at least we can admire someone who is devoted to something, even if we feel like our devotion is somewhat lacking. Well, devotion is what is on Paul's mind as he gets to the end of the letter to Titus. And we see Paul coming into close here. He's coming into the end of his, his letter. And yet, as he signs off his letter, it's not just purely a, purely a sign-off that really has no value. Now, what he is saying is really, really important. And so, just because these are the last words, don't think, well, they don't carry much weight. Maybe you just have like a, a general signature if you're signing off your text message or whatever it is, you know, and it's the same every time and you don't think much about it. Well, these are words that Paul has given much thought to. And so that's what we want to do this morning. We want to think about Paul's call to devotion, these final words that he leaves ringing in Titus' ear. We see it in verse 14. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. Learn here is the final imperative of the book of Titus. That's really just another way of saying command. It's a call to action. And this time, they are to learn to devote themselves. Devotion is key. They are to learn to devote themselves. And notice that it's not something that's going to happen automatically, is it? No, rather that's something that has to be learnt, something that they have to grow at, it's something that they have to put effort into, something that over time should increase and increase. And their marked uh, increase is to what? Devotion. Devotion. But again, you might say, well, what is their devotion towards? Well, here we see it's devotion to good works. If you've been here throughout the series in Titus, well then, Paul mentioning good works is probably not going to come as a surprise because we have seen good works pop up all over the show, haven't we? Time after time after time, Paul has reminded us through the book of Titus that God's elect, God's people are to be known by how they live. They are to be marked with good works. They are to be marked with godly living. We see that flick back and you'll see it in uh, chapter 2, verse 7. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of what? Good works. 
chapter 2, verse 14, again highlights that we have been redeemed as God's people with a purpose. We are to be people zealous for what? Good works. <laughs> chapter 3, again, starts off in verse 1 by reminding us that we are to be ready for what? Every good work. And then God's people were to be careful to devote themselves to good works. We see that in verse 8. And so if we get to the closing section of Titus, and Paul says, let our people learn to devote themselves to good works, we really should not be surprised because good works has been one of the themes that kind of threads its, its way through the whole of the letter to Titus. Good works. And this is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. A follower of Jesus lives a life that is devoted to good works, learning more and more and more how to give themselves to what? Good works. And in fact, if we look back at chapter 1, verse 16, flick, flick back with me, chapter 1, verse 16, you'll see that it was actually a lack of good works that was the very thing that marked out those who Paul describes as empty talkers and deceivers. Because they professed to know God, they said, yes, we follow God, and yet they denied him by their works. It was whenever you looked at their works and realized this does not match up with what they say that undermined who they actually were. And so that's a challenge to us, isn't it? Someone who might say, I'm a member of Rich Hill Presbyterian Church. I'm devoted to God. And yet, as people look on at us, do they see a life that is devoted to good works? Do they see a marked difference in your life from others who do not claim to have a life devoted to God? That's a challenge, isn't it? But is there anything about the context of verse 14 that gives us the lenses through which to understand these particular good works and what they might look like? Well, let's jump back to verse 12 where we started this morning. How did we get to the good works of verse 14? Well, verse 12, when I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. So we're introduced to two individuals here at this point. We have uh, Artemis uh, and Tychicus, the first of which features, well, this is the only place he features, actually, in the whole of the New Testament. He's nowhere else to be found. Uh, and then we have Tychicus. Now, we know him from elsewhere in the New Testament, so you might see him appear in places like Acts, Ephesians, Colossians, 2 Timothy. In fact, he accompanied Paul in his last trip to Jerusalem. And so it looks like these are two co-workers, two co-workers in the gospel. And it seems that Paul is going to send one of them, but maybe he hasn't quite decided which one yet. And so one of them is going to arrive in Crete. Could well be that they were the one that was going to carry the letter that Paul is now penning at this very moment. Who knows? Maybe they were going to stay on and continue the work that Titus has been involved in and Titus has been doing. But notice this, as one has been sent out, the other was going to be called in. Did you spot that? Do you see that? It seems that this letter, as you get to the end of it, was actually the beginning of the end for Titus on the island of Crete. Titus had been left on the island with work to do. He had to straighten out the church. He had to appoint elders. He had to teach all that's been covered within the letter, and we don't have time to, to run through it all again now. But he wasn't to stay there indefinitely. Because here Paul says to him, do your best to come and meet me now in Nicopolis. Now this was a city, it was some 500 kilometers away in modern day Albania. 
Paul was going to be there for the winter, and he says, Titus, I want you to do your best to come and meet me here. Come and meet me. And that's one of the things about ministry, isn't it? You don't always get to stay with the same people for your whole life or your whole ministry. God calls you, and you must go. You must be obedient to the call. But wherever you find yourself, you're supposed to give yourself to it. We see Titus giving himself to the ministry of these people here, but now he's going to be called off somewhere else. For Titus, the time that he spent with these people, the church on the island of Crete, we don't know if he loved it, we don't know if he was glad to hear that he was being called somewhere else, or whether he was deeply, deeply pained to leave the people whom he had grown to love so much. We're not told how Titus felt. And yet, he was to be obedient to God's call in his life, wasn't he? He was to be obedient to God's call. And it's a helpful reminder, whatever ministry we're involved in, whether you're one of the elders here, maybe a leader in zone or place or wasps, whether you're heavily invested in the Tuesday club or growth group or, or total in, that we need to be prepared that someday God may choose to move us. God may choose to, to shuffle us around. And so we need to be careful that we don't end up building up little kingdoms around us, thinking that we are the king or the queen, but rather we humbly serve God and wherever God leads us and asks us to serve. God may choose to call us to do something else, and we must be ready and humbly uh, willing to submit to his rule and reign over our lives, wherever God calls us at that time. Some of you have joined us recently here in Rich Hill Presbyterian. I don't know all of your stories. I know some of your stories. Maybe you've moved house. Maybe you've moved country. Whatever has happened, you find yourself here. You've had to leave one church, and you now find yourself as part of another church family. And maybe that's been difficult. Maybe you didn't really want to leave, if you're honest. And yet, for whatever reason, God has moved you here. And so can I encourage you, if that's the case, to accept that this is where God has you at the moment and to throw yourself in and, and to look for how you can serve and minister here. Some of you are here at the moment, but you might shortly hear a call to go somewhere else. You might have to step out of something that you love in order to step into something else, whatever God has for you at that time. I talked to someone who was recently visiting the congregation and they, they talked about how over a period of time, they really felt God constrained them in such a way that they had to leave the job that they really loved and move into something different because they were so sure that was where God was leading at the time. I wonder, are you open to that this morning? I wonder, are you open to God leading you, to God moving you? I don't know where that might be, but are you open to it this morning? Are you ready to be obedient if God comes knocking? Life is full of times and seasons, isn't it? And the key to faithful service is to listen to your master and to be obedient to what he wants in that particular time. Verse 13, do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. So here we meet two more individuals. Uh, this time it's Zenos the lawyer and Apollos. And just like the time before, we know nothing about Zenos. He isn't mentioned anywhere else in the New Testament. You can't find him. But Apollos, well, he's better known from Acts 18. But it seems that they too are co-workers in the gospel. 
and their names are included. And it's kind of an incredible thing, isn't it? Some of these people we know nothing about, apart from the fact that they're, they're, they're listed in the closing lines of the letter. They're individuals. They've got real names, real lives. They're actual people. And isn't that what the church of God is made up of? Individuals, real lives, real people. Some of them might be much more famous. Some of them might have upfront roles, and some of them might have very hidden roles, and yet all of great value to God in his church. All of great value. Some think that, that perhaps Zenos and Apollos were the ones who were actually going to be bringing the letter as part of their mission. We can't really be sure. But whether they are part of the church here on the island of Crete, or, or whether they're about to just arrive carrying the letter, what we do know is they're not staying put. Do you notice that? They're not staying. Again, they too are on the move. See, the vision for the kingdom of God to grow didn't just extend to Crete, the island of Crete, and to the churches there. No, 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 the gospel needed to go forth. The gospel needed to go world over. Disciples were to be made here, there, and everywhere. And so Zenos and Apollos were to be supported by the church in Crete. Paul says, see that they lack nothing. Give them everything that they need. That's a wonderful example, isn't it? It's a wonderful example that Paul sets to us as a church here in Rich Hill, Rich Hill Presbyterian Church. When it comes to mission, we need to have, we need to have a worldwide vision, a worldwide vision for the gospel to go out. Not just an inward focus on, on the people who are here in, in the church, and not even just a focus on those who are here in the village. We are to think much, much wider than that. We're to have a worldwide vision for ministry. That's not just a vision that impacts our minds, is it? But it's a vision that impacts our pockets, a vision that impacts our prayers, a vision that impacts our practical provision for others. Do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. I wonder if there are those in the congregation today that God might be calling to mission. What do I mean? Well, I wonder if there's people here today who God might be calling to give their lives to full-time gospel work. Full-time gospel work. I wonder, have you even considered that? If you're a Christian this morning, have you even considered the fact that God may call you to full-time Christian work, to full-time gospel work? Maybe you're a teenager here. Maybe you're a boy or a girl here. And, you know, people say, what are you going to be when you grow up? What do you want to do? Okay, and maybe you, you list off some of the things. But I wonder, have you ever thought about the fact that God might call you to be a missionary? That God might call you to travel locally or travel far, far away to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with people? I wonder, have you considered that? Maybe some of the ones here in, in post-primary school, maybe you've sat down with your careers teacher I wondered, did that ever feature on the list? Being a missionary, heading off across the world, telling people about the good news about Jesus. Because it could be that that's the direction that God is going to send you. It could be that that is what God is calling you. And it could be that even today, God is unsettling your heart and making you consider mission. This would be unlikely that it featured on the careers teacher's list of options. 
but it's definitely one of God's options, isn't it? Because throughout the history of the church, God moves his people, and that's how the gospel is spread. Maybe you're here, and you're thinking about that as a teenager. Maybe you're here, and actually, you're definitely not a teenager. You're much older. Your career has progressed much further down the line, and yet even now, you're thinking, I have a sense that God is, you know, unsettling me, that God is doing something in the nest that I've been very comfortable in, and that God is very much pressing me to consider something else. If you're not quite sure what that is, well, can I encourage you to pray? Pray that God will make himself clear to you, but also come and chat to to Al or, or some of the elders here and work it through with them. It could be that God is calling you to full time gospel ministry. And if you think that perhaps that's the case, perhaps God is calling you, please do come and talk to someone in the church, one of the elders, because if, if in the future they're going to support you as you head out with gospel wings and, and take the gospel wherever you take it, help them be part of that discerning call to see where God is actually leading you. See that they lack nothing. What might that look like? Well, for all of us, I think it means that we pray regularly for the work of missions. Perhaps you've got mission organizations that you know and that you're really heavily invested in, and so you pray regularly for them. Perhaps the mission partners here in church are those that you try to remember most regularly. Maybe if you're honest, you you rarely pray for mission. Well, can I encourage you today to take a step to say, right, from now on, I'm going to have mission as one of those points that I remember each week in prayer. At the bottom of next Friday's uh, church email, it goes out at lunchtime. If you haven't signed up, you can sign up. There's a QR code or something out there, and you can, you can sign up to that, or you can do it on the, on the website. But this Friday, if you go down to the bottom of it, what you'll find is an attachment of the most recent prayer letter from Manuel and Alba, one of our church partners in Spain. And so there's a really great way of being able to pray for specific needs that they are giving to us. So look out for that in the week ahead. But I think that let them lack nothing also includes more than prayer, doesn't it? It's not that prayer is in any way reduced, but if we pray, and if we have enough money to be able to provide them with food, and that's one of their prayer points, well, couldn't it be that God would actually move in our hearts to actually take that step and to provide for them in that way? So I wonder if you are deliberate and seeking to support financially gospel ministry. When it comes to giving to the missions account in church, is that one of the ones that you're saying, yes, I want to give a good portion of what I'm giving to missions? What about the United Appeal for Mission? If you're new here, that's really a, it's like a central pot that the denomination, the Presbyterian Church in Ireland, all of the churches pay into, and then from that, they send people all across the world to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And each church is giving a, a target each year. And so we've been given a target of around 20,000. And currently we're about 5,000 short. I wonder, would you consider investing in the gospel going worldwide? What about giving time and resources? Volunteering to be in a mission team, helping serve a, a mission organization in terms of their administrative needs putting up missionaries in your house whenever they come to visit Northern Ireland. I mean, there's so many different ways we can get involved, isn't there? So, so, so many ways. And this is the context in which we get to verse 14. 
Look with me at verse 14. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help urgent need and not be unfruitful. And here I think Paul is speaking of the church. He says, let our people, not just people in general. No, this is a particular mark of the people of the church, God's people. And they are to learn to devote themselves. This is a command. This is something that they must do. Learn to devote themselves to good works. And the good works here that seem to be in view seem to come in the context of supporting gospel ministry. Maybe that's a slightly different lens with which to look through as we think about the words good works. But it seems that Zenos and Apollos, who are the ones who are currently been talked about, they're the ones that are in urgent need, aren't they? Mission is not the work of one or two individuals. No, mission is the work of the whole church body. We're all supposed to be involved. Then notice how verse 14 finishes. And not be unfruitful. (laughs) And not be unfruitful. I don't know about you, but don't you want to live a fruitful life? Don't you want to be a tree planted by streams of water that produces much good fruit? Don't you want to see many disciples made? I don't want to live an unproductive life, an unfruitful life, do you? No. (laughs) I don't want to give myself to things that ultimately will be seen to be straw and burnt up on that day at the end. No, I want to learn more and more what it is to be devoted to doing the good works that my Father has for me to do. Verse 15, all who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Again here, it's, it's, almost, like, it's almost like Paul himself models himself doing another of the good works, isn't it? <laughs> Encouragement. What a wonderful good work. Paul writes on behalf of a whole group, reminding all the Christians in the churches in Crete that they are thinking about them. They send their greetings to them. See, dropping a message on social media wasn't an option then. <laughs> Responding in an email to their latest prayer letter, highlighting that you've read it and that you're encouraged and that you're going to be praying specifically for a few things, that wasn't an option either. But you could do it now, and it would really, really encourage. I used to work for a Scripture Union as a schools worker in Fermanagh, and we'd send out our, our prayer news um, every, every, every month. And there was a few people out of a list of maybe 150, 200 people that were receiving it. There was one or two that would hit reply. <laughs> and you know what was really encouraging? Really encouraging to know that someone had actually read it, that someone was actually going to be praying specifically. Now, you hoped and prayed that lots of the others were, but knowing that someone replied and said they actually were, and that they picked up on a few of the things that you'd mentioned, well, that was really an encouragement whenever you're involved in gospel ministry. So perhaps there's someone this afternoon that you could send an email to, a missionary that you've got a connection with, find out how things are going, ask for some prayer points. Perhaps there's a a mission partner that you have in your heart that as it comes up to Christmas, you could think, do you know what, I'm going to give them a gift. I'm going to encourage them in that way. And this week, why not set aside some time to really specifically pray for mission, really specifically pray for the work of the gospel going forth, going out worldwide, Feels like that would be a good use of our time, wouldn't it? That would be a fruitful use of your week. And then the final words of the letter as we get to the very end, verse 15. This is how Paul chooses to finish up this letter. He says, grace be with you all. Grace be with you all. 
And so we have to ask the question, don't you, why, why grace? Why finish with a benediction that focuses on grace? Well, isn't this how the people that he was writing to had come to faith in the first place? They had been justified, how? Only by God's grace? Isn't that what we learned? Remember, he saved us? Isn't that what we thought about just a few weeks ago? Not because of some work that we have done or that they had done. No, it was a work of grace, wasn't it? That's how we come to faith. And wasn't it this doctrine of grace that then led to the duties of gratitude? The good works that were to be lived out as a result, they were to be fueled from the grace of God at work in our lives in the first place. Wasn't that the message that throughout the whole book, Paul had said to Titus to declare, stress it, declare it. It's all about God's grace, isn't it? There's a wonderful line in one of the recent songs by Sovereign Grace called All of Our Tomorrows, and it says this. It says, empowered by the love of God with grace before and grace behind with grace before and grace behind. And isn't that how Paul is finishing here? Grace before and grace behind. It's grace that brings us into the kingdom. It's grace that sustains us in the good works that we're to learn to devote ourselves to. And so as we finish this morning, can I ask you a question? As we get to the end of the book of Titus, let me ask you a question. Is your life one where you're learning more and more to devote yourselves to good works. More and more to devote yourselves to good works. And are you willing to obey his voice to do these good works here, there, or wherever God calls you to? I've asked John to come and sing that song, All of Our Tomorrows Now. And it picks up on really so many of the themes that we've been thinking about in today's passage. A stepping out of the old and into the new, a willingness to offer up each of our days to God, to trust Him with all that comes ahead. So this is a song that we're not going to sing as a congregation. I'm going to ask John just to sing it for us. I want you to take some time to respond and think, what is it that God might be calling from me this morning in response to the closing words of Titus? Take some time to consider Use these words as a helpful prompt to to think about that. And then I'll come back up and I'll pray. And then we will stand to sing together. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. If if you feel like God is stirring you to consider full-time gospel ministry, then please do come and chat to, to one of us after the service. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for your heart your heart to call people from every tribe and tongue and nation. And so, Lord, as a part of your body, enable us to see how you want us to be used in in your mission, whether far or near. Give us the courage and the boldness to step out and to step in wherever you guide through your word. And might we learn to devote ourselves more and more to the good works you have for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.